Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. fantasy life tonight welcome to the run to daylight football Funcast, and we'll be interviewing someone who is living that fantasy life he's given up his full-time job and living off of the earnings he makes from playing daily fantasy i know you know who i'm talking about it is hold on he's coming i know he's coming where did his music go Here he is, the Motown Mauler. How you doing? Good, Todd. How's it going this Saturday evening for you? Uh, nothing better to do than talk about daily fantasy sports on a, sand- on a Saturday night as we head toward week 13 in the National Football League. You excited? I'm very excited. I think uh, week 13 poses a lot of interesting challenges, and uh, we're going to talk about those challenges and how to work around them today. Great, great. That's uh, that's what we want to do. But first, I need to check in on your series with Max Delury in the NBA. How's that going? That's not going very well, but the cool part is it's not going well for either one of us. Uh, Max is up three games to zero, but the scoring has been super low. And uh, what's cool about it is we've shared most of the same players throughout the three days, and both have not done very well. But it just makes you understand that if you stay the process, everything will work out. I mean, he, he's the number one ranked player in the world for a reason. And uh, it just shows, again, that even he uh, has bad nights. And if you stay the process and trust your process, you'll – Uh, Be a winner in the long run if you're doing it correctly. I thought there was a very... Do you follow Britt Devine? Oh, absolutely. I thought there was a very interesting post that he had on Twitter, uh, I think it was a a day or two ago, where he basically posted a big winning lineup that he earned like 55K off of. And his comment was, you know, I've been avoiding the chalk and it finally paid off. It always does pay off. Yeah, I, I, I thought that. that that was that was Pete Christensen actually, and yeah, he uh, he cleaned up to about fifty-five grand the other day. But yeah, that's exactly what he said: is I've been fading the chalk, and it's been working out great. So uh, I need to to hop on that train pretty pretty quickly here. Well, it's it's a balance I'm finding. You know, it, like let's look at the NBA, uh, the NFL this week, since we are a football show, and. 
you know, there's certain players that are going to be incredibly heavy owned. So which ones do you, you know, buy and which ones do you fade? So I'm going to do that. But before we do that, you and I promised to do a quick, um, the same type of process with candy bars. So I'll throw out a candy bar to you and then you'll tell me what were the three categories chalk fade yeah we, we said uh or contrarian cash, right cash gpp or fade cash gpp or fade okay so i'll throw out the first one i'm gonna say snickers well snickers is definitely a cash game play i mean uh, you you see all the commercials and how people can get pissed off if they don't get their Snickers. So, uh, well, Snickers and, is a and definitely you know, Johnny Man, yeah, Johnny Man. You know, there's some people you don't want to give a Snickers because their true nature comes out. Um, Johnny Manziel, obviously, from the the thing that I did recently, did not react well to having a Snickers. And I imagine if you gave Indomitian Sue a Snickers, bad things could happen. Oh yeah, um, I'm gonna throw out my favorite GPP play here, and it's it's from Al Smithles' uh, Twitter post the other day, and it's a watch him call it. I mean that thing is so underrated, and probably uh, at the bottom of of pricing, and you know you you the upside for the watch him call it is unbelievable. What's it made of? I don't think I've had that. It's just made of pure goodness, Todd. Sounds good. Sounds good. I'm going to throw another one at you. Baby Ruth. Oh, I, I would fade the baby Ruth. Um, maybe throwing it, throw it in a GPP lineup, but, um, uh, here, here's a little story. I told my son when we, we take him out on Thanksgiving that if he gets any almond joys to give them back to the lady and tell him he's allergic to coconut because they're so bad. Um, so we're putting <laughs> the almond joy on the fade list. Okay, Almond Joy is a fade. Baby Ruth, for me, is a cash game play. Um, That's one of my favorites. Uh, All right, here's one that's uh, pretty controversial. What do you do with Twizzlers? I give them back to the people that are handing out candy. Okay, so that's a fade for you. Um, To me, me, it's a very low-owned GPP play. Uh, when I'm on a diet and I want something that tastes sweet but isn't very good and very fattening, I will have a Twizzler. I uh, The only thing I found Twizzlers to be good for are smacking other kids in the arm when I was in elementary school. That's, uh, that's uh, pretty uh, pretty psychotic. I mean, uh, good. Um, all right, so let's get over to... Yeah, exactly. It was it, it was uh, when uh, when you played Clue as a kid, it was Mauler in the recess room with the Twizzler. You got it. Let's uh, let's hop into some of those plays. What do you think, Todd? Absolutely. So I'm going to throw out the the chalkiest of chalk plays this week, David Johnson. What kind of ownership are you anticipating having on him? I'm talking about as a first of all as a cash game. Second of all, what percentage of your GPPs are you going to bite the chalk on David Johnson? Well, here's the thing. He is the only real healthy running back left in Arizona. And um, on like 50 touches in his career, he has eight touchdowns. So it's going to be very hard to fade him at $3,800 on DraftKings. So um, right now I have him in my cash lineup and probably half of my GPPs. But but like you said, we're going to try and pivot off him in some of the GPPs just in case he does have a dud and, uh, you know, we, we have somebody else in place. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, there's no way you can get off him in a cash game as far as I'm concerned. The upside is just too great to risk it. And one of the things that Adam Levitan says a lot on his podcast that I completely agree with when it comes to cash games is I want you to prove you're smart enough to play him. You know, there's some people that are just such good values that I, I want other people to prove that they're smart enough to use him. So David, well, and, if someone go ahead. And I think, I think that that's the point. I mean, 
sure you you want to look like a genius and and fade the chalk, but when the chalk's going to get you twenty to twenty five points at at thirty eight hundred dollars, it's it's just common sense to play them. Exactly my point. Exactly my point. And and so to me, I would say you know without going and checking exactly. I would say he's probably in about 65% of my GPPs and all my cash games. Uh, I do have a couple lineups without him. I, I do think that, you know, playing St. Louis is, there is some risk there. And, you know, that that makes a 33 to 40% fade in GPP lineups um, a, a smart pivot, but, I think he's someone you've got to have in a good part of your lineups. Yeah, I think so too, and especially in the cash lineup. Now, looking at his price point, what do you think is a good pivot off him? Well, that's a good question, and I will look in a second. I, I, I don't think there's anyone who compares to him. You know, that's one of those things that I don't necessarily feel like. You know, I hear that theory on. But I don't necessarily feel when you're com- com- doing a whole lineup, and we'll get to this in Narrative Street this week, I don't know that you necessarily have to pivot at, to someone at the same line, at the same price point. It, no, it, it but, might, but, no, if but I, I, was, I like, I like having options, you know, down there at, at all different price levels. And I only mentioned that because I had a specific play in mind as well. Someone that's been getting oh, and and I'll probably get okay. So let me guess because the guy right around that price point is either well, and I think well, there's two, but one of them I think is going to be pretty chalky on his own right. C.J. Anderson, I think he's going to have pretty high ownership also, and he's in a running back by committee, so there's a a bit more risk. But the guy that I'm fading him for is uh Sean Drone. And yep, I feel and like I guess it, I guess that's why we do the show together because we think alike and that that's who I was thinking of. Now go ahead and continue with your point. Yep. So what I was saying is there's a guy who doesn't play on a great offense, but he is the offense out of the running back field. His usage and he he was the only running back in the league not to come out for a play last week. Um, so off. I, I do have some drone. I don't have a ton, but I have some. I think you know his. Go back to what JM to win said at our conference. Do I think that drone also has a hundred yards and two touchdowns in him? I I don't. And that's why I say that I don't necessarily need to pivot to someone at that price point. But if you're gonna put a gun to my head and say at that price point. Another, and the third guy that I'll throw out there at the low price point, who I think game flow could be very good for, is James White. He didn't do a tremendous amount last week. I had him in a Millie Maker lineup. And I always seem to pick the guy a week before, like Crockett Gilmore in the early season. I was a Crockett Gilmore fan. I played him, I think it was week one, and it was either week two or three that he went off. So um, I, I I will throw out James White out there. What do you think of that one? Yeah, I think that that he has a a very similar makeup than like Drone. You know, he's going to get maybe five catches, and that'll help you on DraftKings where you get a point per reception. That's why I don't really worry about uh, Drone too much because even if he gets 15 carries for 50, 60, 70 yards, he's still going to catch five or six passes because, like you said, he's on the field for every play. The the guy that I think will have a very high ownership for the same reason is Scott Chandler. Gronk's out. Brady's weapons are falling faster than uh, the PSI on their footballs. And, you know, what do you think of Chandler? I'm thinking along the same lines as uh, David Johnson. I mean, He's 2,500, which is lower than even most defenses on DraftKings. Um, I think Fantasy Labs had him projected at between 7 and 10 targets. I think the most accurate was about uh, 7.75 targets. 
and you only need five points to uh, make that $2,500 value. And I think he has a lot more than five points in him. I think you could look at maybe a 20-point day with seven to ten targets. And at a $2,500 price point, I know, you know, he, he could be very chalky, but uh, I'm rolling with him. Interesting. I don't put him in the same class as Johnson. I think that, you know, my thought on him is that he has really done well based on the fact that everyone's covering other people. Now, does that mean I don't have him? No, I'm, uh, he's a cash game play for me. I don't, I, again, I don't see how you get away from him too much in cash. But in GPP, where I might have Johnson at 67%, I'm probably looking at around 40% with Chandler. Uh, I do think there are some other decent pivots. Um, they're a little more expensive, but I like Julius Thomas and Jacob Tammy with Hankerson out, who aren't that much more. And again, I could, where I, it would, it's very hard for me to see Johnson not make value. I can see 25 to 30% chance of Chandler dropping a couple passes, being covered, not being open simply because he's not as talented and the ball going to other guys this week. Yeah, I mean, I just think it, like you said, at, at 2.5, though, when I'm looking at the points per dollar, he is almost two full points per dollar above the next tight end, which was Kelsey. Um, Roto Grinders has Chandler at 5.2 points per dollar, and Kelsey is the next highest at 3.5. So, uh, Is that from the free something you can get for free on Roto Grinders? Or is that paid? Yeah, th- yep, that's something that, that I think comes free. I'm not sure. I, I pay for a lot of things on there, and some things, you know, uh, I I don't have to pay for, but um, I I'm not sure, but it's a great tool to have because, you know, it gives you kind of an idea of where your value is. Absolutely. Okay. So now the next one is not a player who is as chalky as the first two, but you've got three wide receivers who everyone is going to be on this week and they're going to have high ownership. Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, and Antonio Brown. What are your thoughts on those three? Who's the guy that you would put, you know, in the Cadillac? Which one would you put in the Chevy? And which one would you put in the Mini Cooper? Well, when I started first making my lineups this week, I went with Antonio Brown. Um, Just because I think it was a good pair for a good price with Roethlisberger. We've seen what they've done, you know, in the past few weeks when healthy. And I just think that was a good stack there. So th- that's my Cadillac. And I'll let you take it from there. What, what do you think after Antonio Brown? I'm hoping you agree with me that Brown's the number one guy, but, but what do you think after Brown? Well, I, I don't agree. I, I have, I have some Brown for sure, but I, you know, Ben's been banged up in the, I could see game flow where D'Angelo Williams scores the most fantasy points of the week for the Steelers. And I'm also a big fan of Martavis Bryant this week. I, I, I also heard Peter Jennings feel the same way on that podcast. So Brown is actually tied for fourth. So Julio and Beckham, I have very, very close. I, 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 I guess they'd have to share a ride in the Cadillac. Uh, Brown would come in the Chevy and I've got Hopkins because he is going to have such low ownership. I really like him as a contrarian GPP play this week. Well, let's be, to to be totally honest, my lineup that I have, my, my first lineup built, I do have Roethlisberger and Brown, but I also have Beckham and Hopkins in that same lineup. So I, I guess I have one in a Cadillac SRX, one in a Cadillac ATS, and one in a, you know, a Escalade because I have them all. But, you know, just, just as far as pairing for a stack, as, as I Rick Flair would say, there's, As Rick Flair would say, they're styling and profiling. Woo! 
And, I mean, I, I just like Roethlisberger over Eli, and that's what it boiled down to. I mean, you stack Eli with Odell or Antonio with Ben Roethlisberger, and I won't be mad at you either way. I have one Ben Brown stack, one Ben Bryant stack, but I mostly have been going with other quarterbacks this week, and I'm really happy that it seems like people aren't nearly on the Jay Cutler train as much as I am. The 49ers have been the Jekyll and Hyde team of the NFL this year. They put up pretty good games when they're at home, um, show a lot of resistance, but they've been awful on the road. Cutler has played very, very well. He's a tremendous value. Marcus Wilson is out. Bennett is just coming back from injury. I mean, I could see game flow-wise where it could end up getting away from them and they're not passing a ton. But at 5,100 on DraftKings, I think Cutler is a great value this week. And I would say that's my number one stack of the week, Jay Cutler with Alshon Jeffrey. And I'd like your thoughts on that because you're the professional. I'm just the guy who likes to sound like he knows what he's doing. No, I, I like that. Like you said, I mean, it's a, a weak San Francisco defense. The Bears are still playing for for something. So, you know, they want to win. And, you know, at 5,100, he is $100 more than all backups. So, uh, he puts up 300 yards, two touchdowns, you're killing value, and you're opening up your lineup to, to have the studs on the other end. Yeah, I'm looking at one lineup that I have right now um, in one of my leagues, and it, it has Cutler and Jeffrey. It has Drone and Williams. It has Julio in it. It has A.J. Green in it. And, you know, this isn't, you know, necessarily one of my big, you know, expensive lineups. But you, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of good players that you can afford when you go with Cutler, and I'd have to be in, in the in the name of being totally honest, I would have to say I have just as many Ryan Fitzpatrick lineups this week against a terrible Giants team in that secondary, even though they're getting uh, the Prince back. I, I I that's another situation. The only difference is. With Cutler, you know who to pair him with. With Fitz, you kind of are torn. Do I do a Marshall stack, a Decker stack, or a Marshall and Decker stack? I have a Thursday lineup. I only did one Thursday lineup, and I have Fitzpatrick as my starter there. And I stack both Decker and Marshall. Um, I'm going to probably tinker with that lineup a little bit now that it's later on in the week. But my start was Fitzpatrick, Decker, Marshall. I'm going to leave those guys there. And then I had my chalk plays that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Yep. And I've got two major lineups with all three of them. And then I've got one lineup just Fitz and Decker because the value there is just amazing. And I do think that the best player on the Giants has been Dominique Rogers cromartie and they've been very susceptible in the middle of the field where Decker makes his home um, and most of his hay because they don't really use a tight end in that offense. So um, that that's kind of what I've got there. So we're going to take a little segue because someone just walked into the studio and it looks like it's my, it's my friend's kid, Timmy. Hi, Timmy. How are you? Hello. It's nice to see you again. Are you here because you're lost again? Yes, I'm lost. Oh, Timmy, what can I do? I mean, you're always lost, and you need me and my friends to help you to find your way home. I know. Well, why don't you tell the nice people here where you live? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I live on Narrative Street. Okay, no need to get uh, huffy about it. I'm sorry. So you want us to help you to find your way home to Narrative Street? Yes, please. Well, if you want us to find help you to find your way home to Narrative Street, you're going to have to sing your song. I don't want to. You know, you know I'm going to make you sing it. 
But yes, I will help you to get to Narrative Street this week. Um, And then we'll get uh, the Mauler's take because, you know, Timmy, you only need to find your way home to Narrative Street. Guys that are older, like the Mauler and I, we have to decide if we want to live on Narrative Street that week or if we want to take a ride down Contrarian Alley. Do you understand? I do. Okay. Well, one of the biggest narratives to me this week is that Tom Brady is not worth his salary because he doesn't have the weapons. And that is one of the biggest narratives of the week, that if you're going to spend up, you're better off spending up for Cam Newton. Another real big narrative that will help you get home, Timmy, is that there's so many cheap running backs that you really shouldn't look at the expense of running backs because there's just so many great, juicy options to get at the lower price point. So does that help you to get home, Timmy? Yes. Thank you. Nice to see you. I really like your podcast. Well, uh, that was very nice of you to say. That's my friend's kid, Timmy, everyone. And now I need to ask my friend, the Mauler, what do you think of those two narratives? Uh, I like those. Uh, I think my narrative for the week is New Orleans and their, or I'm sorry, yeah, New Orleans at home against the undefeated Panthers. I mean, uh, Panthers are the last undefeated team. And I've seen a lot of projections that uh, they're going to get upset in New Orleans this week. And I think uh, one of the top uh, firms said that New Orleans would win 20 to, or I'm sorry, 30 to 27. I think those are the same idiots who thought that the Cowboys would beat them on Thanksgiving. If you excuse my, I I mean, I know they're smart people, but I was hearing that same kind of dialogue uh, right before Thanksgiving. And I just kept saying, I don't see it. I I don't see it. Even with Romo. That scared me away from Panthers too. I mean, the Vegas line and the people talking that Dallas had a chance steered me away from a lot of Panther plays on that short slate that day and probably cost me a little bit because I went full Packers for defense and even sprinkling a few Panthers D with some decent lineups that I had would have played out nice. Yeah, I had uh, my my main that day was Stafford and Calvin Johnson. I kind of, I mean, I made money, but I didn't, I could have made more money, but I played Jonathan Stewart and I didn't play the Carolina defense. I played the Lions defense because it was such mm-hmm. a value. But I was sitting on extra money, and I, I just figured the Panthers were going to be so heavily owned. But it turns out that uh, that wasn't a problem. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hear the same things you're hearing. I'm hearing that Newton uh, you know, is the play of the week. And it brings me back to the narrative that Brady doesn't have the receivers, so he's not worth the salary. But I think when you have a chance to get Tom Brady against a horrendous defense and, and low ownership, that I want to have a couple Brady lineups. Well, yeah, and our, hopefully we have some lady listeners out there, but they're, they'll like this. How about a naked Tom Brady this weekend? Yeah, I don't like that as much. But um, if it leaves his wife, well, let me not sound like Greg Hardy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm only looking at LaFell and Chandler as options anyway. And if you want to fade those guys for naked Brady and load up somewhere else, then I, I don't mind that this weekend. Yeah, I, I like LaFell. I, I, I know you were on him last week, and I just didn't see it per se. Um, yeah, maybe I, just I was thought... a week early. Well, I just I think it was more that LaFell hasn't shown much and those are some really good cornerbacks on the Broncos. I thought about it and I popped it after you and I talked, I popped them into a couple lineups and then I thought about it some more and I said, you know, it's way I see Gronk as a way more a way better way to see that playing out and um, so I ended up putting Gronk in a few lineups, even though I hadn't had him earlier in the week. 
But this yeah, week, I, I, it, I like I like LaFell. I have LaFell with Brady. I have LaFell without Brady. I, 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 I like LaFell this week. Yeah, I've been playing LaFell the past few weeks, and um, I think a week before he, he – exceeded value quite a bit and then last week i think you were right i'm a week early so i think this week lafell will pay off for us if we uh you know just stick with him yeah i i you know and i i also again you know james white i know he didn't do much last week but gronk was around <clears throat> and i i was a little surprised he didn't do more last week i could also see it being more of a legarrett blunt but I I I'll take the contrarian angle on Tom Brady in a couple of lineups. Um, the other one I'm having more trouble getting to. I did make one lineup for the Daily Fantasy Edge podcast league, where I've got some expensive running backs, but I'm finding it very hard to play contrarian on that one. And I think that I'm more walking on Narrative Street and going with cheap running backs in 95% of my lineups. Yeah, I think that what I'm looking at is all running backs in my lineups are under 6,000. I mean, you know, Freeman's up there for eight, and then there's a little about an $800 drop-off, but even LaShawn McCoy is down at like 5,700. So uh, I, there's so many good values at running back this week, and, you know, you can – you can load up on your receivers and hope they have monster games. Well, and, and I think that's a, you know, a really good philosophy, but I, I, I kind of am starting to look at this like a counterweight, right? So, you know, my heavy money is on low running back with, you know, sprinkling, four to five big wide receivers, you know, Julio Brown, Odell. And yeah. I do think um, Hopkins and AJ green are also pretty good plays this week. I agree. And then, I agree. and then on, and then I, but in that one lineup, I, I put in a very expensive running back with another, you know, the, the, like you said, there's only a couple up that high, but I put two expensive running backs together and I put some lower priced wide receivers because I said things don't always work out in the NFL like they should. It's not it, you know, some weeks the chalk completely doesn't go off and it would be nice to have one lineup with expensive running backs and some lower priced wide receivers, but I just couldn't do it too often. Well, I just didn't find enough value up at the high price running backs, you know. Like I said, you might be able to 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 throw Freeman in there, but he was off last week and I know they're trying to limit his carries, you know, well actually they're trying to get Coleman more carries. So, um yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I think that um the only value in those high priced running backs this week is the fact that they will be pretty low owned especially, and I did it in that listener league because, you know, the public, like in a Millie maker, if you're going to have Freeman and Peterson or Freeman and Gurley, those guys will still be owned probably 15% to 20% maybe on Freeman and, you know, 8 to 10%, I'm guessing, on Gurley just on, on, on their name. But right. in a... In a, in that listener league where you have so many sharp people who li you know everyone there listens to that podcast, they don't send the link out to anyone who's not listening. So I think all the more I found in that league, I came in fifteenth two weeks ago and I played Hopkins when no one had him, and I had one percent ownership on Hopkins in that league, where he well, was five percent in the Millie Maker. So that that's what that's again, you know, a little bit of hit them where they ain't. But you're right; it's there's just such a plethora. The bigger challenge this week is which cheap running back to use. And yeah, you gotta I'm get going it right because there's so many of them. Exactly. So I'm going to throw out a couple names of guys who aren't as popular this week. And get your reaction to them. What do you think of Javorius Allen? 
I like him for the simple fact that he's going to get all the touches. And we saw last week that he can catch the ball as well. So, um, you know, a few catches on, on DraftKings gives you extra points. So I think he's a great option. Yep, I, I like him too. And I, I wish I almost had him in a little bit more. Um, you know, Doug Martin. Doug Martin, a lot of smart people are touting him again this week. The The thing I worry about is, even when he had his big games, he didn't really get in the end zone much. And Atlanta is so up and down, Tampa Bay could be playing from behind. So Doug Martin scares me a little bit. He probably won't be in any of my lineups, but I wouldn't be mad at anybody if they played him. Yeah, I got him, but not a lot. Uh, You mentioned LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I'll go first on this one. I like him as an option. I wouldn't say I have. There's no need to have heavy ownership on any of these guys just other than David Johnson because, again, there are so many of them. But I I like McCoy. Yeah, I I like McCoy as well. I think um, last week showed his versatility where he was catching the ball and making nice runs. I think he ended up with uh, uh, well over 20 fantasy points, uh, about half on the ground and half from the air. So. Uh, he's he's a good play every week when he's healthy. Yeah, and he's a guy that does get the ball in the red zone, which is another reason why, not that I don't love Antonio Brown, but um, I, I just think that there's more mouths to feed there. Thomas yeah. Rawls. Uh, again, he's going to get the bulk of the carries. I know we had an off week last week where a lot of people wanted to follow up. Um, you know, anybody that's getting the bulk of the carries and and is it a value, like you said, just just try to, if you enter multiple lineups, try and touch, touch on all the guys so you're not limited, um, you know, with your variance. Yep, I agree. I like Rawls. Um, another one of those guys like Allen that – Probably I wish I had in a little bit more of my lineups and maybe I will make a couple more lineups, take your advice and make a couple more lineups that include them tomorrow. Jonathan Stewart. Well, if we look at the game script, it would say play him. Um, So I guess if you're going by the Vegas line and game script, he's a good play, but like I worry about his red zone touches, you know, Cam, uh, gets a lot of ru- rushing touchdowns. They they run around a lot of quarterback sneaks, uh, quarterback draws, quarterback runs, uh, options whether down on the goal line or they even give the ball to Tolbert. So he's a little scary, but I think he's going to get enough touches to warrant his fifty five fifty three hundred dollar price tag. Yep, I I I again, you know, you and I are kind of thinking the same way, and. There are other weeks based on certain things where you could say, wow, that guy could have 20% ownership. But because there's so many options, um, he's one that's down my list. Uh, the yeah, next guy, at, go at ahead. At price point, I would definitely play uh, McCoy, who's only a couple hundred dollars more, or uh, uh, like you said, Buck Allen in that price range, or Rawls. Uh, I totally agree with you that, you know, Stewart's a decent play, but down the list a little ways. Okay. Um, The last one that I'm going to touch on, and I think it's really fun that we focus. You you typically don't get where people do what we're doing. They'll throw out their favorites. You know, you'll get three or four names, but I like what we're doing because there's so many of these guys to get two people's thoughts on them and reasons to, like them or not like them. Um, the next guy is, well, actually there's two more. I want to do Shinderick West and I'd like to do Gio Bernard. Well, I do not like either. And you know, my reasoning is because they split carries. We don't know if Ware's going to get the carries. We don't know if West is going to get the carries. We don't know if uh, Bernard or Jeremy Hill is going to get the carries. Which is, uh, you, you know, I, I I had some issues the other night when I was doing late swap for Monday night. I had a lot of Allen, 
and I had a lot of uh, the receiver, and I wanted to to pivot off, so I had one lineup that was different. And Sunday night I switched to Hillman and a, a different receiver, and come to find out I should have switched to C.J. Anderson. So that's just one of the reasons why I hate rostering anybody that splits carries because the coach is going to go with the hot hand, and you don't know who it's going to be. Well, it, you definitely do. Again, it's one of those math equations that kind of go on in your head where it's because of their splitting carries, their ownership, because most of the sharp people will fade them because of it, that I I do have Bernard in one or two lineups because I think Cleveland is just atrocious against the run. He also catches the ball. Hill was a little banged up. And I think that he could pay off the 4500 even with the timeshare. And I think that if the game gets, you know, is a little closer, then we anticipate that he could, you know, get more. So I do have a little Bernard. I don't have any West. It hurts me because if it turns out to be just coach speak, about them splitting carries and West gets the workload he had before he left at that ownership. It's such a bargain, but I haven't found it. I haven't found myself able to put him in a lineup yet. Well, one of the reasons I, I dislike running backs that split carries is because, you know, if I'm trying to win a big GPP, my guys have to get 25 to 30 points and, you know, when you're looking at that for a running back, that's, you know, 150 yards, a couple touchdowns, and a few catches. And I just, you know, can't see any running back that's splitting times, um, you know, getting that much. And C.J. Anderson came close last week, but it took a long overtime carry. So uh, that's just one of the reasons why I try to avoid running backs, you know, that split carries. But like you said, when they're very low owned, if they do, you know, hit that 152 touchdown game, then you're in business. Well, and that's just it. If you're trying to win a GPP, and again, there, you know, depending on your bankroll, I think each one of us have three different price points of GPPs that we'll play. You know, I'll play the $20 mill- Millie Maker, I'll play the $5 Daily Fantasy Edge, and then I'll play some 3 and $1 GPPs. And it's in those lower-priced ones where I'm willing to take a few more chances And that's where, you know, I could see myself sticking a Bernard or sticking a Weston uh, and, and you know, hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. But a guy like C.J. Anderson, who I think will also have a pretty high ownership, that's someone who I'm going to probably fade. Yeah, and I agree with that. So let's talk defense this week. Typically, a lot of weeks, there's just one or two defenses that jump off the board at me. And this week, I'm really having a tough time. Um, I like the Bengals. I always like yeah. the Broncos. Um, then there's the Bills, and there's the Redskins, and there's a few other names that I've heard thrown out there. And I'm, I'm more mixing and matching this week. But who, who do you lean towards as the best, safest defense for this week? Well, I'll give you uh, my safest, and then I'll give you my value play. I'm I'm totally with you on the Cincinnati play. I mean, Cleveland's an absolute mess right now. Um, they're on their third string, what they call second string quarterback. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati's defense is good regardless. And, you know, when you're playing against a uh, second string quarterback and there's no running game to be – had in Cleveland really it's just I think Cincinnati is the chalk play on defense this week yep I I think that uh, the more I've thought about it the more I have most of the lineups I've made from midweek I made some lineups early and you know for value I do have some redskins and some bills but if if I have the money I've been I've been playing the Bengals yeah, um, and you, you were going to throw a contrarian out at me. Yeah, you kind of stole my contrarian value pick, but it's a good thing because, you know, if we both think think so highly of them, I think they could be a good play, and that's the Redskins. They're only 2,300, which is 
1,100 less than the Bengals and uh, 1,600 less than the top ranked or top uh, priced Cardinals. So they uh, have an easy matchup. Um, you know, they had three interceptions last week against Eli Manning and the Giants. I think they could uh, be a GPP separator, very low owned, and and somebody that could help you out greatly by saving you some cash to use on your skilled players. Yeah, I, I like I like them a little bit. I like uh, the Bears a little bit. I also like the Cardinals a little bit. I think that uh, I think that's another situation where. And again, it comes down to, you know how it is. I, I don't think too many people put their defense in most weeks until the rest of the lineup's done. And, you know, you kind of get down to that flex position in the defense and you're thinking, all right, all right, you know. And you kind of, I, I don't know, do you, do you kind of work it like that or do you have a different way you do it? No, I work it like that. And, um you know, that that just seems the way that I get the, the most value and, and think of it the most clearly. And then if there's, you know, let's say, you know, there's a $700 spread uh, typically between the defense on the low end that you'd be willing to play and the defense that you would love to play. And then you look in that range under flex and you, and you see, if there's someone who jumps out and, and that tends to decide for me in a lot of lineups where I go with my defense. Yeah. And the last lineup that I made for tomorrow um, before coming on the show, I was actually stuck there. I was stuck between the Bengals and AJ green together or the Redskins with Deandre Hopkins. And I chose the Redskins and Hopkins because I don't really like playing a receiver with the defense for one and I think Hopkins has just a slightly bigger upside this week. Yeah, well, with Eifert out, I I, I think that uh, I think that it'll be interesting between them. I, I typically I love AJ Green as a player, but I love the AJ Green from two three years ago where he was the clear number one target, and Andy Dalton looked at him like Jay Cutler now looks at Alshon Jeffrey. And it's just not like that anymore. They've got so many ways they can beat you. They move the ball around. Even Mohamed Sanu, you know, he'll come in and poach a few touchdowns. But with Eifert out, narrowing it and the lower ownership and the lower dollars, uh, I have more A.J. Green in my lineups than I have any time since week two. Yeah, and I think the the Eifert injury makes it so it's a lot easier to do that because Eifert, you know, he he got – a lot of targets, but he got a lot of the red zone looks and Cincinnati the last two years has been a team that spreads the ball around really well. And like you said, that that's given uh, AJ Green's value a hit and he's not, not producing the way he was two, three years ago. Yeah. Last year he got dinged, you know, they were on uh, hard knocks and he got dinged early and he really never was himself last year. And then I expected him to come back and be AJ Green and then late in the MFL 10 season, I really – I had seen a preseason game, and they featured Eifert very heavily. He looked great. I loved Eifert back when he was at Notre Dame. I don't watch a lot of college football, but I saw him, and he jumped off the screen at me. So if you look at the last 15 or 20 MFL 10s I did, I'd say Eifert was probably in 70% of those because – he, he he was there in the ninth and 10th round. I thought he was a great value. And I even have him in two of my five redraft leagues. Well, you might need to redraft a new tight end if he doesn't get healthy soon. You want to talk about falling into shit? <laughs> um, I had a re my redraft leagues have been awesome this year. You know, my, my daily fantasy has been okay. I'm, I'm up for sure. But, my, you know, all this extra studying has, again, vaulted me to being pretty damn good at uh, redraft this year, other than, I, as I mentioned, that Phil Simms debacle. But um, so Gronk goes down and I need a tight end. And I didn't even remember to put in a waiver for I, I put in a waiver for Chandler, but I didn't have a lot of bid bucks left. So. It it comes and it goes and um, you know I need a tight end for this weekend so guess who I picked up 
For this weekend, Scott Chandler. Yep. No, I couldn't get him. So, you oh. know, we went through waivers and I couldn't pick him up. So now I'm stuck looking at the waiver wire. Guess who I picked up? Wow, I have no idea. Richard Rogers. Oh God. <laughs> oh, you just wanna you just wanna <laughs> stick the knife in and turn it, don't you? Oh God. Well, I I don't know that he hurt you in just any when way, I so. thought just when I thought the Lions couldn't find another way to lose. I knew they oh, would. Oh, okay. Soon, I got you. Sorry. As soon yeah, as the I, face masking call happened, I knew the game was over in one way or another. Well, I I fell asleep. You know, I didn't have much going as far as anything in that game. And what was funny was I had forgotten that I had even picked up Richard Rogers, And, you know, I was mostly following my basketball lineups that night. So I wake up and I'm like, all right, let me check my redraft league. There was the Thursday night game. And I'm like, oh, the Rogers for Gronk, that worked out pretty well. Well, especially when you got 13, 14, about 14 and a half points on the last play of the game. Yeah, um, that's why I said One I kind of fell into it. Touchdown. I kind of fell into it this week. Hopefully I fall into it like that on uh, on Daily Fantasy. Uh, so I'm going to let you take over for a second. Why don't you ask me a question about this week, and we'll end the show with that. All right. Uh, we didn't get to talk about receivers much. Um, other than All right. The we still have eight minutes. We still have eight minutes that we could use. So what are you looking at as far as value receivers? I know you talked about LaFell, but uh, what are some other value guys that you like down at receiver? Well, I I like – he's not a value, but I, I definitely have a lot of Allen Robinson this week. Um, yeah, I, I, think Blake, I think Blake Bortles and to Robinson with Allen Hearns out – and we're we're not talking tight end, but I also like Julius Thomas a lot this week. Uh, let's see. Uh, I guess the one that makes the most sense is Parker from Miami. I think okay. that they're going to have a. I think they're going to have a good week. And boy, you throw him and David Johnson in a lineup, and boy, does that allow you a lot of you know nice top end talent. I I yeah. go ahead. I think that's why we both like LaFell, too, is I, we both feel he's going to have a good week. And at 4800 you put him in with David Johnson, and you've got a ton of money to play around with. I, I like Kamar Aiken a lot. He is another guy who is getting a tremendous amount of opportunities. And we all laugh at Matt Schaub, but Matt Schaub's issue isn't that he can't complete passes. It's that he completes a certain percentage of his passes to the other team. And so while he's not a great regular quarterback anymore, for fantasy purposes, I mean, he looked pretty good throwing the ball most of that game last week. And a matchup against Miami is not exactly something that strikes terror into my heart. So I like Kamar Aiken this week. And let's see as I go down here. I would say... Any, you know, for the same reasons, I don't have a lot of them yet. I've been playing them all year and been disappointed a bunch of times. But Marvin Jones is a guy who, with, okay. with, uh, you know, again, with Eifert out, I, I, I think I need to find a way to get him into a lineup. Uh, and, and I would say Michael Floyd is another guy who, you know, if he's healthier this week, could do some things. So what do you think of that list? Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid list, and I like your idea of the contrarian play with Schaub and Aiken. Like you said, they could they could have a nice night, and again, you have lots of money to to have on the table to spend on the rest of your skilled players. I think that's a yeah, great. Yeah, I'm not play. I'm not playing Schaub just to be clear, but I no, like I. I, I, I think ahead. if you can sneak him into one lineup, do it. I mean, look, you get 300 yards and two touchdowns from him. Chances are one of them is going to be to Aiken. I think you're in good shape there. 
Um, yeah, that was that, that was a good idea on your part. All right, cool. Um, yeah, so that kind of covers uh, uh, one guy that I was on last week that I put in a Millie Maker lineup, and he did very well was Dontrell Inman. But I'm fading him this week with that Denver secondary. I'm not saying that Phillip Rivers isn't good enough to have a good game against Denver, but that offensive line is so bad against that Denver sec, uh, you know, pass rush. I find that pretty hard to. I I'm, I just think there's better options. Yeah, I think there's definitely better options, uh, you know, than 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 him right now. And the last position that we really didn't do a ton on, I would say Greg Olson is the chalk this week. But what do you think of Devin Funches? Do they have Funches listed as a tight end? No. 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 Um, well, I, I, I introed that wrong. Greg Olson is a tight end. chalk for the Panthers. Yes. And I do want to talk tight end, but it reminded me that I think – Funches is another good low end. You know, if I'm going to stack Newton this week, I'm more likely to stack him with Funches than I am with Olsen because I just think that Newton Olsen stack, you're not getting any value and no, the chances. No, going to be too highly owned. Yeah, I, I think the chances that they win someone a million dollars this week is small. They'd have to go off for like three to four touchdowns. Um, all right, so back to tight ends. My favorite, my favorite contrarian play. I mentioned Julius Thomas. I don't think he's contrarian. I just think he's a great value. But the contrarian guy for me this week is Gary Barnage. I think that he is someone who has played consistently well all year, and I think the narrative is well, Austin Davis is a slug, so there's other guys. But I think Barnage has a tremendous amount of upside. And Austin Davis, it, he, he, he didn't look too bad, and he played good at times last year. Yeah, he, um, he filled in good in St. Louis last year. And Gary Barnage is in play, I think, all the time because he flies under the radar. You know, you see the guys at around his price point, and you see Antonio Gates and Kelsey. And, you know, those are big-name guys. And, you know, the average daily fantasy player – you know, we'll, we'll gravitate towards those guys before they do Barnage. And I was so impressed with Barnage. As you know, um, I had a mini sweat last week, but uh, I, I watched most of the Monday night game, and Barnage was, was solid. That's great. All right, well, I'm going to end the show with one last question for you. Is there anyone real – Really under the radar, and we've got 90 seconds. Is there anyone really under the radar that we haven't discussed that you think is a great play? Well, I don't. I don't think there's anybody that we haven't touched on, but I think we were spot on in the beginning with uh, drones from San Francisco. When when somebody plays every snap of a game from the offensive side of the ball. Uh, that really sticks out to me. So I think, you know, pivoting off uh, David Johnson or if you want to have a contrarian play, I, I think uh, drone's the way to go. That's awesome. Well, that's the end of this Run to Daylight Fantasy Funcast. I thank the Mauler for joining me. I'm away most of the midweek, so it looks like maybe next Saturday we can do another show if you're up for it. Sounds good. We'll see you then. All right, everyone. We'll let... We'll let your fantasy take you away. This is Aldo Nova from the 80s with fantasy.